That's right. It normally does take two, but today it's going to take three. Uh, hi, I am Jesse Jackson. Joining me in our archive discussion is Terry Smith. Hello, Terry. Hi, Jesse. It's uh, great to be here again. And as you say, this thing is starting to expand, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, we, you know, we, as I've shared with other people in the past, Terry and I were always looking excuse to podcast together, and he's the one who came up with, why don't we once a month discuss the archives? And I said, oh, great idea. We got a little bit behind, so we're, so as we were discussing an email, he said, why don't we do a twofer? We'll do both archives. We'll catch up. And then a little thing called Letter to You happened. So... Um, Terry and I try to get this down to 30 minutes when we're doing archive. We fail. So now we're going to try to keep this an hour, and we will probably fail because not only do we have to talk about the August 6, 1984, East Rutherford, New Jersey archive, the September 30th, 1978, Atlanta, Georgia archive, but we have to start with the 20th Bruce Springsteen album, Letter to You. What are you thinking, Terry? Um, well, I've had a great few days. Um let me say, and I guess my first observation would be this, which is this is a real uh, 2020 release in the sense that, for me, this has been about the Zane Lowe interview, obviously the album, and then also the film. You know, I know there's an argument of, well, if you have to watch the film to enjoy the album, something's not right, but I just think those three things together um, have made for a for a great experience. Um you know, if you look at Zane Lowe, I don't know if you know, but he, he was originally a uh, BBC radio and TV guy before uh, Apple came in and recruited him. And I have to say, I, I never disliked the guy. I never warmed to him. Um, I guess uh, the music nerd in me was jealous that he just knew so much. Um, but, you know, um, as I said, I didn't dislike the guy, but he wouldn't have been one of my favourites, you know, and he was part of the Glastonbury coverage. But I thought in the interview with Bruce you know I think what I posted on Facebook was this is how to interview someone you are clearly a fan of and still make it a real conversation and I think at times in a really good way a challenging conversation um so I thought it was it was one of the best you know because being the Bruce nerds we are we've seen so many interviews and there's so many questions that are the same and that so I thought um he brought a new angle to it, and I have to say, when Bruce picked up the guitar, he wrote Nebraska on. <laughs> yes. Um, I think I'd have melted. Ian Braisby, who we both know, he, he pinged me to say I'd have melted yeah. down at that point, but uh, I, I thought it was great. What was your view? Yeah, I thought the same thing. You know, I I had read... I had read someone, you know, on Twitter, I think, saying, oh, this was brilliant. I'm like, oh, okay, come on. Because I say this with love in my heart, I feel at times Bruce can be a bad interview. Yeah. Um, I think he's gotten better, but he tends to laugh at his own jokes, and he seems self-conscious talking about himself is what my feeling is. That's a good observation. Uh, and it, for some reason, this um, 
I don't know if it's it helped that they were distant. You know, this was remote. I don't know if that made Bruce feel more comfortable. I agree with you. I thought the questions were real insightful. I was not aware of Zane's work. I had not seen him do anything else. Um, and I do agree with you. It's very clear he was a fan. It was very clear um, he had... Uh, you know, feelings, but I thought really insightful. Um, the hour went very quickly. It did. I thought it was a great discussion. Um, and so, and I've actually been impressed with all the press. Um, first off, I have a logistics question on how do you do all this press and nothing leaks more than it did and, yep. and i don't mean necessarily the album leaking the way it did and we will stay away from that Good. hot potato yeah. but um the idea that there was rumors that there was a new album coming new album coming and but nothing definite but you think about all the press he's done all the interviews all the work like how does someone not does this not break even more? Yeah, I mean, and the reality is it was recorded, what, almost a year ago. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think they uh, they did a good job. So I think I think the we watched the Zane Lowe thing on the Thursday, and then Friday yeah. morning, of course, was release day, um, and I had placed my order at my local independent record shop who had the special grey vinyl. Oh, um, nice. And I got up on Friday morning. Now... For some reason, in my head, I, I know Friday was release day, but actually the album wasn't going to turn up. So I was literally picking my phone up to look at Tidal to see if it was up. The front doorbell rang, and there was the postman <laughs> holding my vinyl. So this was instantly, and I thought this was quite good given the theme of the album, this like took me back to being 15, 16 when albums would turn up in the post. And um, and what I will say, there's been a little bit of feedback. I don't know what the pricing is in the US. In the UK, um, that edition of the album is, 40, is $45, which is real top end. But I have to say, the it is the best packaging I've ever seen in an album. Um, it is absolutely beautiful. They've done a stunning job. That's beautiful. I, um, I had ordered um, through... I had ordered on iTunes the digital download because I wanted the two songs, and then I had ordered the DV, the CD from Amazon, um, got an email from Amazon saying this was delayed. I still have not received the oh, Amazon, no. you know, uh, but, you know, I was able to download it on iTunes and listen to it multiple times, um, and so I'm going to be able to discuss it. I did see there was a little bit of um, – wailing and gnashing of teeth on twitter about i have where is it where is it why hasn't i got yeah. it okay how can you not get this to us you know on release day um so i think that was just beautiful yeah um, and, if, um, and if anybody's got a turntable i mean spend the money to get the vinyl so i, I won't bore it but it's the only album i've ever seen where there's artwork on the inside where you put the albums in oh nice so and they've used like sort of tracing paper and stuff so they, they've done a beautiful job so I played it, um, and it's three sides on the vinyl, and then the fourth side is an etching of the cover. Uh, and I then played it again, so I can't remember the last time I did that with an album. Um, sure. And overall, I mean, it's been great, but I'll give you a couple of maybe, because we like to spice this up. Here's maybe slightly sure. more contentious stuff. Everybody, understandably, is excited about, you know, it's the E Street Band and it's that sound and everything. But the album it reminds me most of 
is actually Lucky Town. Oh, interesting. Um, which, if you think about it, that was the last album that he, you know, he went in to record one, his plan was to record one extra song for uh, Tunnel of Love, and he, he did a whole album in 10 days. Um, which, compared to the week it took for Letter to You, sounds like he was dragging his feet. Um, yeah. And, yeah, play, play uh, Letter to You, followed by your favourite track, Better Days. And you, I think you can see the similarity. There's a spontaneity there, I guess. Um, although I will say that if you listen to Better Days, you then realise how great the Max's drum sound is on Letter to You. Um, but I will come back to that later. So that was... Um, that was point one. And my other point is, I think doing the old songs, I think, was really smart. I think they do a great job of them, you know, and I'm glad that he doesn't yes. go back to his Dylan impersonation vocal. But I would encourage everybody, yourself included, to do this, which is make a playlist with those three songs taken out. Ah, okay. So my view on the old songs is, they're really good, they're really interesting, but for repeated listening, I'm already going, uh, I'm not sure. Do a playlist of all the new stuff. And here's the interesting thing. It comes in at 39 minutes, which is precisely the length of Lucky Town. Oh, <laughs> so interesting. I, I personally think they should have done the new stuff, and then the deluxe edition has the three old tracks. And I hope this will make you smile, Jesse, because I'm having this conversation with Laura and saying, you know, I think they've made a mistake. And she looked at me, and this is Scottish humour. She says, it's such a shame, isn't it? And I said, what do you mean? She said, just imagine how big Bruce could have been if he had you in charge instead of that John Landau. <laughs> Which was like the, and I went, yeah, okay, all right, I realise what I'm doing. Um, so, yeah, I'm, do, I'm doing the classic super fan that I know better than the artist and the management for 45 years. So that was a great put down. But here's my final thing. If I was John Lando, linking all of that together, what I would be encouraging Bruce to do this November, assuming social distancing allows, is to invite the band back for another week and re-record Lucky Town with the E Street Band. Ooh, that would be fun. There you go. So that's yeah. that's that's me on the album. But uh, overall, I mean, I think great, absolutely great stuff. Yeah, I. So I'm I'm at work, in between meetings and discussions. I've got my, you know, earbuds in. I'm listening to the album, really, really loving it. As I said, the hot potato. The someone did reach out to me and said, "Hey, do you want the album early?" It happened over the weekend. I listened to it once, and I said, "No, no, I, you know, I want to wait till Christmas morning. I don't want to open my Christmas on Christmas Eve. I want to." So over and over again. And then when I got home Friday night, there was nothing going on, and so I pulled up Apple TV, which I had already had a subscription to, and watched the film. And I don't think you need to watch the film to enjoy the album, nope. but I do think it is. I think this is one of the best Western stars, I think is a totally different um, animal because uh, we, we knew we would not get that album. You know, he was not going to tour yeah. and the idea of this kind of band putting together in the barn was, I felt like a once of kind of a one-off, but this was similar to the other documentaries about making of albums but I think this has been the best one. And I don't know if it's because it's the newest one. I don't know. But every time I see him do If I Was the Priest, I go, 
this is what Outlaw Pete should have been. Oh my God, that's what Laura said. I yeah. swear that was exactly her words. Wow. And, yeah, I, I'm glad that Laura and I were in sync. I because when I heard it, I was like, man, this is and. And you know, I nothing against that law, Pete. I, you know, I, he was going for something that's good, but th- this, if I was the priest, has that scope, that Western feeling that um, I, I really have liked it. Um, and just all the songs is spoke, and they're good. And what's interesting, I was telling you beforehand, um, I did a podcast this morning. Alice Ashcroft who is a singer-songwriter, and she says, you know, I've listened to the album a couple of times, and she says, you know, you can't tell yet what are going to be the classics. Oh, I think um, you can, you see. <laughs> you see, and see, she's a casual fan, right? So I, I, I want to hear your thoughts on it. I did love someone on Twitter, and I, I wish I could remember who, um, said that he was playing um, House of a Thousand Guitars and his wife looked at him and said, don't get any ideas, <laughs> which <laughs> I love. Um, do you have a couple of highlights that you yeah, specifically I'd, I'd, enjoyed? I'd probably uh, go with actually the ones where I got uh, I got a bit emotional. I, I think, but Letter to You, I think, yeah. will, be, will, will be a classic. Uh, Last Man Standing, I think, is great ghosts when i was listening on friday morning you know when uh when they get to the stop in ghosts where it's you know uh, when we get to the end of the set no one's left alive by this time i'm imagining these songs being played live and i did get a lump in the throat because you can you can just see what that's going to be like um you know in uh, if and when they get to play live uh and then i'll see you in my dreams um and i i did i did think it was understandable in the film but I mean John Lando obviously got very upset and if you watch Bruce I think it's the only point in the film where you can see game face on mm-hmm. it's like you know he's very definitely not going to get upset and then he goes yeah it's kind of nice and you think oh come on uh, the other song that I think is really really strong and again for reasons I think are understandable uh, and I may be wrong here but I don't think it came out in the Zane Lowe interview I don't think it's a film is Rainmaker yeah. which is clearly the one song about current situation and Trump and everything. I think it's a really intelligent song in that, you know, it says when people get worried and frightened, they start to believe in things that maybe don't stand up. Um, and musically, I think it's great, but I, I'm assuming it's been a conscious decision that says, hey, we don't want to obscure the bigger theme of the whole album by getting dragged into all of those discussions two weeks before you guys have got an election. But I th- I think that is a really strong song as well. So I think there's four or five on there. Power Prayer has stood out to me. Okay. I really like that for some reason. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Ghost and Letter to You, and that partly because maybe I've listened to them so often. Yep. And, um, and for some reason, if I was a priest, keeps – keeps no, playing back in my head and i think partly because of the um watching it in the film um i think i think it's a very mature album it is absolutely a joy to see the guys 
all working together. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're all, you know, got their glasses on. You know, you don't see well, them. Well, I, I love, you know, I said at the start, yeah. it's, it's such a 2020 release. And yeah, I love the bit at the start where he says, gentlemen, get your notepads. And it's like, you know, yeah. the technology is a notepad and a pen or a pencil. Um, yes. And I just and think, you know, imagine turning up on a Monday morning and, you know, there's a, there's a series of songs that he's playing on the acoustic guitar. And on Friday, you leave and it's done. I think there's a beauty to that. I know that um, I, I had a fan, Arlen Schumer, that when Letter to You came out, he was he was not impressed. He thought that the idea of they did this thing so quick, he felt like it was a nothing original. Um, and I've been very vocal that, you know, Bruce can do whatever he wants. Yep. And if he, and I think that, the challenge of getting the gang all together um, and saying, okay, let's just do this. Let's make it together um, is just really beautiful to see um, the film in black and white looks wonderful. Yeah. You know, to talk about the snowing, all that you can see at times when he's playing at the guitar, Max is in his mind and his hands kind of talking about the drum, Um, you know, little Steven going, hey, I don't think you need the bridge here. Yeah. Um, You know, and and I'm sure there's a lot more of that that they cut out, but to give you a feel of how they work together and do things. And um, and I just got I love the fact that Bruce had his cousin there. Oh, wasn't that that great? that taught him his first chords. His first chords, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing I loved, I don't know if you, I can't remember where the uh, the interview was, but apparently when he told Roy that he'd written a bunch of new songs, Roy's response was, "We're tired of playing beat the demo, you know, don't demo them." Um, yeah. Which I thought was really interesting feedback of you know, the, instead of turning up in the studio with, "Here's a finished article, now do better." Um, yeah. So I, th- I thought that worked well. The other thing, I um, my favorite review is actually on, I've mentioned it before, um, the software I use. But uh, it's a guy, I think it, the guy also, he originally writes for all music, a guy called Stephen Thomas Erlewine, which is a real name. But I thought this was brilliant, Jesse. So he says at the end, Letter to You often does sound like vintage E Street Band, but there are noticeable differences in terms of attack. They're playing not out of a sense of hunger, but communion. Uh, This shared warmth carries letter to you through the moments where the younger Bruce is perhaps a bit too precious and the older Springsteen is a bit too clear, turning a record that's a meditation on mortality into a celebration of what it means to be alive in the moment. I thought that was a pretty good summary. I think that's a really well summary. Um, I... uh, I agree with you. I think the and the spontaneity of okay, I'm just going to play this on the guitar and let you kind of hear your own things. You know, I, you know, back in the days of uh, Pet Sounds with Brian Wilson, right? He would the Beach Boys would come in and the album's all done. They just needed their vocals. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and this was I like the idea of let's do this together. I love that they're all there. Jake was there, everything. I didn't see Susie, no. but um, I assume she will be touring. And whenever we tour, I also 
there is a melancholy to them talking about let's do four nights in you know the city in italy yeah oh we love that oh such good food and and you know and the idea that you could tell they were excited like okay we're gonna tour imagine what the excitement levels would be like if we were now sitting here saying you know there's a tour starting in a couple of months i mean there was a there was a review over here in the guardian uh, that I thought was what it said was in some ways this is the most inappropriate album to be released at the moment because if ever an album screamed out play it live it's this one <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which I thought was a really good a really good point um, but yeah <clears throat> how things have changed in the 12 months but let's hope we get there absolutely and i think i once again i don't remember who but it's been a very you know we've had our um you know twitter has been very happy and you know someone said hey you know east street band if you're wondering what are the best songs to play live off of this one the correct answer is all of them <laughs> <laughs> so uh so yeah very nice and i you do think about you know, at the very beginning of a tour, it's very new album centric, right? He's doing a lot of albums, yep. a lot of songs from the album. And then like he goes to Europe and then when he comes back to the U.S., the second round, he kind of drops out and brings in a little more. So you would love to see this heavy centric of these new songs and how it weaves in with the old one. Um, and so, yes, the hope is uh, sometime. 2022 is what he thinks is yep. the earliest um we will yeah god willing absolutely um all right so let's move on speaking of tours <laughs> and songs uh we got two archives uh since we've last talked uh one uh born in the usa tour one in uh the darkness tour uh which one do you want to start with my friend uh, well, why don't we st- why don't we start with the Born in the USA because that came out. And what I will say in our defence is that I know we did get a little bit behind, but they yeah. then released uh, uh, two archive releases in the space of twenty two days, which is a bit of a strange monthly schedule. <laughs> it is very much. Um, but the the first one out was the Born in the USA. So why don't you kick off on that, and then I'll I'll do the other. Yeah. So I really really. Um, like this and before we did this archive i would only pick archives and i go oh are these songs that i don't have live already or is there enough of this um i was a casual fan in 84 so did not have an opportunity to see him live um and so I am always fascinated by this time frame, right. and um, it the what is interesting to me hearing all these archives, especially if you're listening, is um, because you're hearing it and not seeing it. There are there are gaps where. I, did they go off stage and are they coming back right like yeah. like uh, was there an uh, this is a second or third encore but i like this one uh, a great deal i thought um and we always talk about highlights um i won't go specific except maybe the hat trick of open all night nebraska you know in atlantic city yep. you know we got a nebraska hat trick but the idea that there are as many 
there feels like almost as many Nebraska songs on this as there are born in the USA. Um, And I know if I did the math, it probably wouldn't work out that way, but it was kind of neat to go. He was kind of promoting both as he was touring. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I think it often gets forgotten and, and I include myself in this, that you think of the born in the USA tour being about that album and the, whatever it was, seven singles or whatever. And, you know, him, Dancing in the Dark and first video and him at the height of his fame. And yet you look at it, I mean, he comes out and where are we? Songs four, five and six are off um, Nebraska. And then song seven, he he covers Trapped. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's not somebody coming out and doing a hit show, is it? (laughs) No. You know, and he threw in used cars. Yep, yep. uh, Which you just would not think of. Yeah, I mean, you think of used car with Tom Joad or Devils and Dust. Correct. Uh, You just don't think of that with the full E Street Band. Um, But it was really nice. Yep, yep. No, Mm -hmm. I'm uh, I'm with you. Yeah, I mean the the two the two highlights for me. I've mentioned one more was was Trapped um, because that came out on the We Are the World album. Yes. Um, And. You know, I remember just from the first time I heard it thinking, wow. And I, in some ways, I think, you know, it's it's the ultimate um, Bruce and the Street Band uh, song in that, you know, you've, it, it builds to that crescendo and then it goes so quiet. You know, mm-hmm. that whole thing that they do. Um, and then the other one for me was, of course, he plays Street Fighting Man. Yes. Um, and I didn't realise until... And I must give credit to is it, it's Eric Flanagan, isn't it? Who do, he does an essay on every release. Um, but Bruce covered Street Fighting Man in uh, the summer of '84 when he was touring. But the only time he played that since was the following year in London, and I was there. Oh, how very fun! Well, I'll tell you why it's good because I was there on the sixth of July, which was the mm-hmm. Saturday, and he played the fourth of July on the Thursday, and I couldn't get tickets. And, of course, he came out and he opened with Independence Day. And I've always regretted that I was at the wrong gig. Um, (laughs) Whereas now I was at the gig where it was the last time he played Street Fighting Man. (laughs) That's how sad I am, Jesse. (laughs) <laughs> to me, uh, yes, half empty, half full, right? It depends. Uh, I, um, you know, I just had the, the episode that I released on Thursday um, as we're recording this. Um, I had a couple on, and um, he talked about that he was um, in like 74, 75, working at the AMP grocery store, right. and that. And I, I won't quote it, but basically he said his co-workers, he was in there in Jersey, right, near Freehold. And they kept telling him, you got to go hear this Bruce guy, go hear this Bruce guy. And he's like, look, I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't need to see no stupid Jersey uh, recording artist. And then when he finally went and saw him, he went, I could have seen all these shows. I could have seen all these shows. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I think a theme that I've seen as I've done – a you know over 600 of these is there's everyone has a regret everyone has a regret about a show that they didn't get to see oh yeah and it's and it's in this classic human nature isn't it that we don't focus on all the shows we did get to see it's like yeah but i missed that one (laughs) Mm -hmm. absolutely a set lusting there you go Um, i also i also love um 
I, I thought of when when Chris, my son, went to his first show. We were in Oklahoma City, and we're driving home the next morning, and um, and he said, you know, um, you know, what is it with Bruce doing shout? Is this like a junior high dance? He says, I was surprised at that. He said, don't get me wrong. They did it great, but I just was really surprised, you know, that he, he did that. And, um, and I thought of that when seeing twist and shout and do you love me, you know, kind of going, I, I would have, once again, I'm going to be Jan, John, I'm going to do your, Laura's going to say, yeah, Jesse, just think how successful his careers would be if he listened to you. If you had the two of us, imagine. (laughs) Yeah. um, That I would have a rotation of, classic rock and roll to close with i would do twist and shout i would do you know different i would do you know different um you know necessarily i I would do a little bit of rolling so i wouldn't always do shout i would do some different versions because the e street band is so amazing at doing uh you know uh classic rock and roll that would be a lot of fun well i'll touch on that when uh, i talk about the atlanta but yeah i the only disappointment i think in in recent years when he's been touring it actually has been the uncles that i think they used they used to have a lot more variety and surprises in there and a lot more covers and i'm with you um you know if going back to letter to you when you look at you can put a bunch of guys in a studio and start from scratch and produce an album in four days then you can throw them a few classics to play at the end of the show i think absolutely um yeah so i absolutely i recommend um this is a really good example of you could make the argument at the as far as popularity the zenith of you know bruce mania if you want to call it uh this is a great uh snapshot of that um and so I, I definitely recommend that this is a f- great archive to get. Yeah, I uh, I thoroughly I thoroughly enjoyed it. And again, I think it's a great summary, Jesse. And it, it is. I was listening to parts of them just prepping for this again this morning. And the thing that I always find interesting and exciting is actually how different things sound. Um, you know, and I don't think it's a case of one's better than the other, but. They they do sound different. So let me let me talk about the uh, the Atlanta uh, Dolphins. Um, and um, being completely transparent, I have to say when when I saw the release, I was like, "Do I need an eighth archive release from the Darkness tour?" Um, and because I, I, it's a bit like going back to Letter to You. I think my first post on Facebook was, "It's always a relief." Because, you know, it's good, it's really good. Because I always have that thing that you're going to listen to it and think, oh, my God, it's awful. Um, and it's a bit like the, uh, I think it with the archives of, do I need it? Because um, there's been the five, ra- this was the fifth of the radio shows, and then there's Houston, they've done Winterland Night 2, and they've done uh, Sec Night 2 as well. But um, I've written in my notes here, absolutely you do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and and again, I'll give Eric Flanagan's article credit here. Um, I didn't realise that this this was the fifth of the ra- the the uh, radio broadcast he did on this part of the tour, and you know he makes the point that um, the others were probably certainly you know they were the start of bootlegs certainly for us in Europe. So Winterland, that Winterland show was the first Bruce bootleg I ever heard. 
Um, and remember, he didn't tour darkness in Europe. So there was this great, you know, oh, there's this guy called Springsteen, and he did Born to Run, and he'd get these bootlegs. But the Atlanta one, for n a number of reasons, was never bootlegged that much and was never that popular. So this was the first of those five radio shows that I'd never heard before the archive release. The other four I'd, I either owned or I'd, I'd at least heard on bootleg. Um, and you mentioned it before, Jesse, that when we said we'd do this, we said, well, let's, let, let's have a format. Let's choose our top three highlights. So my first highlight of this is really easy because it's the whole of set one. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. if you look at it, I mean, it is just absolutely brilliant. So you've got a cover to start, back to your point, Good Rockin' Tonight, then into a barnstorming Badlands. You then get, let's do the oldie relative, but Spirit in the Night. You then go Darkness, Independence Day, which, of course, hadn't been released at that time. Um and which, interestingly, he introduces as the flip side of Adam Raised a Cane, which I'd not heard said before. And I thought that put an interesting light on it. And then the rest of that first set is Promised Land, Prove It All Night, Racing, racing in the Streets, Thunder Road and Jungle Land. Yeah. You know, wow. Um, so I think that is, uh, is just brilliant. And if I pick out a couple of highlights there... Um, Promised Land, and I actually thought this, this was before Letter to You came out or anything, but you listen to that version of Promised Land, and then I think probably my my personal favourite for a whole load of personal reasons, but the, the version he did at Hyde Park in 2009 when I was at the gig with my brother. And I said when I read the, rev the review for Letter to You that I'd come back to it, because I think that sums up the difference in the two where it talked about you know the e street band are no longer playing with a sense of hung uh, it's not a sense of hunger but communion so when i think of 2009 it's communion it's celebration everybody's at but you listen to this version that's hunger <laughs> yeah. i mean they yes. are just playing their socks off um so i think that that was a highlight and then the other one for me and this is back to the regret theme is Prove It All Night, because, of course, it's Prove It All Night's 78 version, and it's the long version, and it's got the guitar intro. And um, for my 55th birthday, we went to Barcelona to see him. We got into the pit, and I checked this one. It was song 18. Now, you know, as Europeans, like a few beers at a gig. Well, I'm at song 18, and I've been thinking I must get to the bathroom since about song 8. <laughs> so he then we're, we're in the pit we're right at the front and he's just he's done promised land into the river and i'm like it can't get any better than this at the end of the river i'm making a break for it. and the bathrooms were right at the other end of the stadium and the river finishes i start to leave piano starts and i thought oh it's point blank and then literally as i'm out of the pit and into the main I think that's not point blank. Let's prove it all night. And for the first time ever in Europe, he's playing the 78 version of Prove It All Night as I walk to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so, so whenever Prove It All Night comes on that version, it's always, uh, it's always special for me. Um, and then in the second set, you get... And I have no idea why they did this. I mean, they play Santa Claus is Coming to Town on the 30th of September... Right. 
Now, clearly it wasn't an impromptu thing because they had snow coming down. So they then have to clear the stage of the snow, so they then do Night Train by James Brown for the only time in history. Um, and then you get fire into what I wrote down was a, a slightly chaotic Candy's room, but I think it's brilliant. And then my final highlight is, if you look at the last hour of the set, and I just, again, think this is incredible if you think of sort of artistic vision. I mean, this is a radio broadcast. Clearly, it's a gig, but there's a radio broadcast. Yeah. It's a big audience. You know, if I think when he did the Barcelona um, TV broadcast for the Rising Tour, you know, in the middle of the set, he played Dancing in the Dark because he knew that was the last song that was going to be broadcast on the radio and TV. Right. But for the last hour of this radio gig the last hour is five songs <laughs> yeah um so i've taken as as my last highlight um actually the last the last three songs of the main set which is you know not fade away including gloria and uh, obviously she's the one uh back streets with the sad eyes drive all night and then um rosalita that starts with like the comedy intro <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, so I, I absolutely brilliant, just absolutely brilliant, and um, it's probably one that I I don't return to all of them. I I can certainly see with this one, if um, if Laura's out for the day or whatever, and I've got I've, if I've got three hours to spare, just sitting down, putting this on loud, and pouring a beer would be a good way to spend a few hours. I think. Yeah, there is a there is a admiration especially for longtime fans about that darkness tour there is a almost a reverence to it that since i came to the gig later is something i don't feel i i i get it i understand it but like i'm more excited if during a magic tour right or or something that um because I wanted to hear, I want live versions of these songs. Um, so yeah, I, but this is a good gig. Um, I wasn't, I've never been involved in the bootleg culture. So like when, uh, when uh, High Hopes came out, you know, I was like, oh, I haven't heard any of these songs. While many people were like, oh, why are we getting versions of these? Would these have been out already? Uh, so, uh, so I, but I like this one. I like a lot of the versions. I do think that, um, you know, Independence Day sounds really good to me. That is a song yeah. that I, I came to love based on when he, when the river tour, the second river tour happened. Yeah. And I've talked about this before, the idea that, you know, at, at, at that point, like a 68 year old man singing a song that he wrote as a youth and how the different, dichotomy of that um so that always speaks to me I, I i love that song and then you know i every time i hear racing in the street i i just that it makes me happy and then the not fade away glorious she's the one is just kind of a nice you know a 12 minute of just kind of joy yeah. in singing so uh, absolutely and it is you you do think it's funny right like when you look at it you know, not fade away, Gloria. Twelve minutes in a few seconds. Backstreets, another twelve minutes. Rosalita, 16, 16 minutes. Right? Like, it's an it's album. Like, I mean, it's an yeah, album. It, three songs. <laughs> yeah, 
and I, and I think that's I think that for me, Jesse, is is why those three. It's the essence because I remember I'm I'm with you that the '78 tour, as I say, he didn't tour Europe. So if I'm honest, mm-hmm. uh, certainly from my perspective, and I know other British fans, we've we've always had that sort of slight chip on our shoulder of you know what American fans will talk about is oh you should have seen him in '78. It's like <laughs> well we couldn't could we? Um, yeah. But I do think this is one that shows. That, yeah, it was a special time because I think clearly the band were up. For, he was up for anything. The band was up for anything, and you know, I, I think one of the things he's done brilliantly since since the reunion you know, is his ability to pace a set is just yes. fantastic. And you know, you listen to the early recordings, and there's as you say, there's like twenty seconds before the next song starts, and we've got used to bang, bang, bang. Um, yes, but I think there is, there is a sort of freedom in this that I think is lovely. Where clearly, you know, you, you sort of feel that they may be twelve and sixteen minutes long, but they could have gone on for twenty five actually. You know, yeah. and I'm glad you brought that up because I had on my notes. Um, I remember the Saturday Night Live skit where they talked about um, Bruce Springsteen's stories, right? Like there was an album of just the stories, no music, and that was a yeah. a parody Saturday Night Live skit. Um, Bruce does not tell a lot of stories anymore. Um, and I don't know if that's because he's told them all or they have just gotten to, and there is an efficiency to a modern set list yep. that, um, and I certainly do, you know, they will during uh, working on the dream and, and even high hopes, picking the signs and picking out songs, right? They had that spontaneity, but there was a, um, and once again, I go back to Chris Jackson, um, you know, he's, we're, we're driving in the car from Oklahoma. He said he, and he said, you know, you've got to have your, you've got to have your blank together, dad, because there is no between songs. I mean, you're finishing the song and, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, Bruce is going one, two, three, and it's right to the next song. So like, if you lose your place, you're screwed. (laughs) Um, And with this, I, I, and you're, I, I agree with you. I'm not saying that's better, or it's, it's it's just different. Well, it I, is I, a different. I, I do vividly remember, uh, although maybe somebody listening will come back and say that's nonsense, Terry, but I'm convinced it's true, that when they reformed the band, part of the conversation was, Bruce, no more stories. It's like we've mm-hmm. done the stories. <laughs> now, I think <laughs> over the years, and you, you, I mean, you saw one of the uh, longest gigs, and I think, you know, at that period, yeah. he, he's, he's brought them back in. I'm a fan. It was one of the things that, um, attracted me in the early days and you know you think about the live uh, 75 85 then yeah you know the the story that starts the river is still one of my favorite things um, but as I say it's I think one of the things the archives is bringing out or certainly brings out for me is there's a common theme but actually how the tours are distinct and they are different and I think that's probably one of the reasons they're still going after 45 or 50 years. Yeah, I think so. And I do think there is a um, – when you have been friends that long and partners that long, um, and you think about it now, right? Like um, it has been 20 years since the reunion started. Oh, yeah. 
You know, I mean, so that's that's, you know, that's, that's that's three times longer than the Beatles lasted. You know, yes, <laughs> that's right. the, I mean, that's, the second time. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is their uh, you know their their second phase, if Absolutely. you call it, uh, would be a an admirable you know career on many other bands, yeah. um, and to think about the amount of music they've produced i i um well, you said 20 albums is just amazing isn't it it really is and um once again i hate to bring up but i i had a, a listener that was sharing with me daniel and he said if you had told me he says in the reunion tour we're like he said i would have talked to my buddies and said okay this is it this is the this this will be the ultimate. They've come back, and oh, they may do like the Eagles, that you know every three or four years they'll tour. But you know this is the ultimate of the E Street Band. If you had told me that we would have gotten the Rising and Magic and Wrecking Ball, you know, and a worldwide river tour, I would have like no. There's no way you could have this. Well, you and. You- you look at the um, reunion, the DVD, and I'm desperately. It was the last night, and he plays. Is it Brothers Under the Bridge? And he put yes. He put the extra verse in, right. And if you look at that video clip, he's got the whole band, and he has to call Clarence twice to come. Mm-hmm. And, and again, the story I've read is, and Clarence's is Clarence was absolutely convinced that was the end. Yes. You know, it was like we've done the reunion to. He's singing this. He's putting this other verse about you know all that stuff, and the reason he was so upset was he thought that this this is it. There won't be any more, and here we are. What twenty one years later? <laughs> and and I you know I love that the spirit of Danny and Clarence oh, remain with the band, That's, right? It, I thought it was very significant that when he went through who the East Street Band was, and he included Susie. Oh. I thought, by the way, just I thought Charlie just did a brilliant job all the way through. Oh, um, absolutely. But the fact that it was, you know, it's Danny and Clarence and they're still part of the band. One final thing, uh, Jesse, you, you said about being friends. One of my favourite bits in the film, and uh, the recording ghosts, and mm-hmm. uh, Gary, the, the, like changing things around, and Gary goes, but we've still got to do the stop in the third verse. <laughs> and then you see Bruce a couple of seconds later say, if anybody's in any doubt of when we stop, just watch me. <laughs> yes, I did that. that like, and I thought that whole discussion is yeah, like, It okay. was just, yeah, that's a bunch of people who've been around each other for, for quite some time. So brilliant. Yeah, and, and, no, and there is no doubt who is the boss. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You know, that is, that's good. Um, so oh, this is such lovely and absolutely um what a great time to be a, a, a Springsteen oh, and East Street Band fan. Absolutely brilliant. So, Terry, how can someone reach you? You can reach me on email at musictalkspod.outlook.com. Twitter is musictalkspod, and my website is musictalkspod.com. What do you have coming up? I've got an episode out on Thursday, and it'll be the first episode where my guest actually plays some music during the interview. Ooh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, very nice. And as always, you can find me um, at Jesse Jackson DFW. You can find uh, the show at Set Lusting Bruce. And uh, Terry, once again, your friendship and your support of the podcast means the world to me. Yeah, likewise, um, Jesse. Thank likewise. you so much, brother. Listeners, you please stay safe. Uh, remember to social distance. 
I hopefully we're going to get this out before election day. If you have not voted, please vote if you're in the U.S. This is so important. Your voice be heard. Wear an effing mask. Be good to each other. And we'll talk to you soon. And remember, voting is important for everyone in the world, not just America. Amen. Well said, sir. Jesse, you take care. Joy as always. Speak to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.